excited to have you here today on the yoga, um, the Find Your Line of Grace podcast. I'm here with Liz Silverman Stewart, and I've been a long admirer of hers. So I, as some of you might know, I'm a Soma body worker in Bellingham, Washington, and I had a client who was moving to the Denver area. So I asked my um, one of my teachers who I should send them to, and she said, I would get on Liz Stewart's table right away. So I looked up Liz and we became friends on Facebook and I got her contact info. And um, now we kind of weave together and she is such a powerhouse. I know she has a mentoring program and she is taught at the Guild and probably some other places, but I'd love for Liz to tell you more about Liz. So without further ado, here's Liz. Tell us more about you. I will. Thanks for having me on, Elizabeth. And um, yeah, so let's see. So I do have a connection, by the way, to Soma because I did, I trained at the Guild for Structural Integration in, I started there in 1991. And then I finished very early in 92. And then I went off to assist there for forever. It feels like forever, but for about 15 years, mostly with Peter Melkier who, um, you know, for those that don't know, was one of the first two teachers that either all passed to teach the work. And I also have a background, which I'm proud of in uh, being a student, uh, a, a mentee, an apprentice, because at the time there weren't availabilities to train with people outside of the guild. So I sought out women uh, who had trained directly with Ida Rolf because I wanted that lineage and I wanted to see what women, how women were working. So my background is heavily influenced by Peter Melchior and then a bunch of women who trained long before Peter, like in the 1950s. And uh, I got to study quite extensively with, so that was exciting. Oh. And then I did go on to teach at the Guild and, um, and then I left the Guild uh, for a whole bunch of reasons. Um, and I got to guest teach at SOMA yeah. and at the Rolf Institute and at a, a school in Germany called Structural Core Therapy Institute. And so that's kind of my SI background. And then I also have a background, of, uh, uh, I would call it a psychoanalytic background, but really not so much a deep Freud background, but more about looking at body language mm. and what isn't expressed through words and, and shows up on our table through people's structure. But I have a, taken a deep dive into different types of body-centered psychotherapies and attachment work and trauma work and group work. Because uh, mm. I, I have this feeling that the body is like a group of a whole bunch of parts. And how do we get, like in group work, how do we get people to come together? Even when there's pain or suffering, how do we do that in the body so that there's no one, no part that's isolated? That's kind of my... Um, my background in the work, but mostly I just like to work. Uh, and then now I have a practice, pretty happy practice in Boulder, uh, that's hands-on, but I also have a mentoring practice and a supervision practice that I do in person and online in groups and with people. And uh, I've got one more thing. I don't know if I could share that right now, but uh, yeah. my latest project is, I recently came back from Europe. I was in Prague uh, for the European Guild's um, 10 year anniversary. And I decided to go, I was, I was actually invited as a guest along with Sharon uh, Wheeler and Ed Mopin. And 
when I got there, I, I really saw that there was this, first of all, I'm Eastern European, I am Ukrainian. And uh, I saw a real strong need for them to get more training. And so I'm working on raising money to possibly provide training for people that really don't have much ability to get more uh, teaching in their environment. And to also bring in things like, how do you work with environments under stress and threat? Um, and, and given which you have from SOMA, a lot of the skills that are interpersonal that aren't typically taught at a lot of the other SI schools that I think are really valuable mm. so to bring those in. So that's kind of my current um, exciting thing that I'm doing along with my groups that I run and mentoring of practitioners and teachers. Oh my gosh. Well, there's, there's so much I want to ask you about that. And so much I personally would want to bring to that. Okay. Um, I just a little side note here, but one of my my co-teachers, I do a yoga and Ayurvedic uh, cleanse program a couple of times a year. And my co-facilitator is from the Czech Republic and her little community there was really, um, has become like a base camp for so many Ukraine refugees. And so we started donating 20% of our program directly to I mean, we just like give a check over to the mayor of her community so he can go buy blankets and toys because so many, it's all like women and children that are displaced in her community. Um, but I love that idea of bringing not only this work, but more of that like embodiment and the trauma centered and the parts going into group and then back into parts into that kind of place. It's so profound. Um, I already like love you and want to study with you. <laughs> so, but let me, let me find out like, how, how did you, you know, the theme of my podcast, find your line of grace? Like, how did you find your line of grace with this work? How did you figure out that like, this was where you belonged and where you could thrive in the world? As far as this project or just being in structural integration? Being all. in the SI world, being a practitioner, being a teacher, and, and then yeah. your project, like all of it, all of it's you yeah. know, interwoven. Well, I would say that I love the word grace. I think it's, it says so much more than the name, that someone's name is grace or the word grace, like it, it's open. And I really got into all this work. I have a background. I, I come from a, a family of, of achievers and um, academically, and I was not one. I was a feeler. And so my mom was very involved in music in New York City. And my dad was a, the pioneering physician for eating disorders in America. And, and so I have a very, um, I would say, Eastern, Northeastern New York, Boston family. And I didn't quite fit. And I went along my path doing what my parents wanted, which was they, and I was born in 1962, if that means anything time-wise. So my mother, just based on current events, my mother had been fired in 1960 for being pregnant with my sister. And so I had a feminist mom. Uh, and even, and I hope this isn't too out of place to say, but even when it came to uh, raising daughters, I remember as a kid, we had to watch some movie about um, how you take care of your menstrual cycle. And there was this thing called a belt that you had to wear. And I remember going home and saying to my mom, I'm not doing that. 
And she said, oh no, uh, I'm a modern woman. And I have already invested in something called tampons. And so back when nobody else was using them, she was wanting freedom in her world of activity, of swimming, of, of just being a woman and not being held down by some contraption that people were supposed to be using. Mm -hmm. So I, that's kind of my, um, in an odd way, inspiration at the moment, because I'm always inspired in different ways. But I, I grew up in a family where they really wanted me to be an executive secretary, and I just couldn't do that. Uh, and so out of my pain and suffering, and I was a, uh, I had challenges growing up. I was a, I was told, I don't know if it was actual, but I was told I was uh, too fat. I had a dad in the eating disorders world. I was a little too bohemian. I wasn't academic. And they really struggled with, with me and I struggled believing that. And so I ended up eventually working at IBM and um, I had a photographic memory. So that got me through moving up the corporate ladder pretty fast in my young 20s. And before I knew it, I was in management. I'd been won all these awards as an administrator and I got into management. And I used to manage astrologically because I, I was so young. I just thought, well, I like astrology. I'll relate to people from our sun signs and see if that works. And it was oddly successful in my 26 year old mind, um, but I, I did well. And then I moved from San Francisco, I was out in California in management, I moved to Boulder and I didn't fit in here. Uh, I had much bigger hair. I had, uh, I would say I'm of the hippie generation and I like, you know, that kind of music and that kind of free spirit. And I just didn't fit into a very conservative environment. And I was talking to a neighbor of mine and he suggested Rolfing and I went and got Rolfed. And the Rolfer said to me, why are you coming? And I said, because I'm unhappy. And she said, great, because if you said you had a problem with your knee, I'm not the right practitioner. So I found the right person. And in the first session, I had this experience. I've told, I, I like to tell this story when I teach that my first session, I never felt touched like that, like very specific touch, but it felt very loving. Mm. And I was mortified to be up in my underwear and, and you're going from a business background, never have gotten a massage maybe once in my life. Uh, it was a whole different world. And I came out of that feeling like, oh, I feel good and I'm okay. But by my third session, you know, where the sideline is just a lot of space, mm -hmm. I had this discovery that there was something around love and freedom and resilience that was meant for me. I didn't have to give it all away. Mm. And I didn't know that. I thought I have to like take care of everybody else. And that's just the suffering that I have to do in my life. And that's how it is. And I had that aha of, oh, I, I, there's something in here for me. And so that's when I called my boss, quit my job, got on a plane, went to South America to Brazil, and I trained at the Guild. And it just was a life changer for me to the point where I knew that this was this path where I felt free. I, I even repaired the most difficult relationship, with, which was with my mom. Because to me, structural integration, which is what I call the work, even though I was Rolfed, I, I went to a school that isn't the Rolf Institute, that um, 
relationship was primary. And if I could start to have one with myself, could I heal one with the difficult people in my life? And so I started with my mom and we healed. And my mom has long passed away for many, many years, but we healed long before she got sick and passed away. And that just came from this new feeling in my body that I had to do something with and really good therapy. Um, and then from there, I went on to assist Peter Melkier mostly and other people. But I, I had this belief that um, I needed to share because I also come from a line of teachers. So uh, even though my mom was in music, she also taught voice and my dad taught biology at medical school. And my brother was an English teacher and, and I used to teach at IBM and my, even my daughter now is a teacher. So there's education. And I think that education is what keeps us um, in that world of grace that we know something and we can take something that we know and do something with it and create more freedom and expansion for ourselves. So back to that like question about grace, which I, I'm still, I've been kind of simmering that question for about a week now <laughs> is um, I do think that grace shows up for me just every morning when I wake up and I have a, a saying with my husband, which comes I think from a Carly Simons song, um, we don't know nature's way. Hmm. I'm feeling a little emotional. So this yeah, yeah. And that's a part of me, I'm emotional. And I think as a woman, we have to be fully ourselves. So because we don't know nature's way, we don't really know what's gonna happen each day. Mm -hmm. Especially right now with current events, we just don't know. So how do we hold that line of grace when life feels very, very challenging? And, and for me, it's waking up and um, really attuning myself to whatever's going on, even when it feels impossible. Mm -hmm. And, and my, my, my way that I work with grace physically in my body, besides movement and bicycle riding, which is my passion, is um, when I'm really in a slump to, to reclaim that part of me, uh, I do something for 10 minutes. And then I see how I feel after that 10 minutes. And then the word that follows grace for me is hope mm. and resilience. And they all sort of go together. Yeah, I hear that. Resilience seems really um, poignant right now, too. And I was just thinking as you were talking, your um, your your training, your curiosity about—I can't remember the exact word that you used—psychology um, of human movement, I guess, and how how interrupted that may have been in these past couple of years, especially with mask wearing and the way people yeah. weren't moving together, right? We weren't operating in um, that integrated way. We were fragmented into yeah. small parts and pods and that resiliency of like coming back together. And even though there's these different kind of fracturings that are happening now, it has to be even a little more tenacious, a little yeah. more of a tenacious yeah. hold in some ways. I think that word fracturing is interesting because that's the word I use a lot as a healthy word that a fracture is like a scar yeah. and the scar holds things together mm -hmm. and the scar 
doesn't make sense to be pulled apart. It's meant to bring things together right? and, and keep life going, whether it's a, a cup that breaks or whether it's a cut in our body. Yeah. 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 Gosh. Um, there's so many different angles. I think that we could go with that. <laughs> so when you are, let's go into your mentoring work a little bit. I'm yeah. curious about that because I'm curious for me, but other people yeah. would be interested as well. So when people approach you and they're seeking out your mentorship, like what, what typically are they asking for support with and how, how do you help them with that? Well, I'll, I'll back up a little bit because it's, it's not common that people seek me out for support. Mm. What's common is that uh, I taught a class many, many years ago in Berlin, Germany. And I came back from that event saying, I need support. Mm. I just stepped into an environment that not only shook me, but it shook the students. And um, for all sorts of reasons. You know, and. So I came back and I decided I would get support and I sought out someone to help me. And in body work, we don't have that in our profession. Mm -hmm. So I started getting, going to what's called a supervision group, mostly for psychotherapists. Yeah. Uh, but the fellow that I picked worked with police officers and school teachers and other body workers and just people who wanted that kind of support. And so I spent the next 16 years on a regular basis every other week with a group of people. And I was, I was uh, infused in learning about groups and mentoring and the difference between mentoring and supervision. And so at a certain point, I decided to start with um, something I called SI Connect, where I created a, uh, a video show for our community and bringing different teachers in but that didn't satisfy me because I was just a host. I wasn't part of it. And then I thought, why am I not offering mentoring and supervision? And so I started to offer that. I, I don't really know how to advertise it. So it's very word of mouth, but I made, uh, and then I'll get to your question. I, I realized that I split them up. Mentoring is really someone who wants to work like me and, and kind of learn my way and come and see what I'm doing. And it tends to be um, that kind of study where supervision, I really want to help someone develop themselves. Hmm. And in most, uh, in many models like medicine and, and psychology and sociology and nursing and PT, they have times where they get together to talk about their clients or what's going on. So I thought, well, I'm going to do that and offer it. So I began that and I began that about 12 years ago and started these groups. And I've got one group that's still, well, two groups that are still going, which is exciting. But when people come, the big issues are they feel isolated. You know, they're in their office by themselves. Mm. And, you know, can they bounce a question off to somebody? Well, do they have anyone? Will they get the answer that feeds them? It's very, it's one thing for, you know, often, and it's my own experience, I would say, I really don't understand why I am giving, doing the pelvic lift, for example. And the response I would get often from other peers and teachers is, well, that's really, that's what we do. And oh, let me tell you a story about a client that I did a pelvic lift with which is not what I'm looking for. The answer I'm looking for is help me understand 
And so people come and say to me, I don't understand something in the work and I may have the answer, but I may not. And so the idea is to let's be in relationship together and figure this out together in a way that it makes sense for you in your practice. Mm -hmm. So it could be they're feeling isolated, they need some help in the series or after the series or you know, working formulaically or non-formulaically. Um, it could be around time management. Uh, a lot of people right now it's showing up, you know, people are back in practice. Gosh, I'm doing two and a half hour sessions and I'm giving them a discount and I'm exhausted. Right. So how to make um, time management, how to look at money from a place of prosperity, not from, oh no, I'm afraid to charge more mm -hmm. or, oh, I might want to offer someone a discount, but not everybody. Mm -hmm. uh, other questions are work very specifically around structural integration. Uh, they might want me to look at a client with them. For some people though, I would have to say it really is what's going on internally in them that is creating stress or they, they need connection with another person. Mm -hmm. um, now the different types of people I work with, I work with teachers who are aiming to create a program. Mm -hmm. So a lot of continuing ed teachers will come because they want group skills. And how do you, if you've been in classes before, we all have, and often a teacher, and I've done it myself, so I'm also, you know, in the club of, I'll talk more about myself than I will to the group. Hmm. Oh, let me tell you a story or let me give you an example of something I've done versus saying, how do you guys understand this? So I want to give teachers the ability to know how to give and get feedback because it's an art. How to ask a question, how to work with challenges in the classroom, for example, a challenging student may look like a challenging student, but maybe that student is expressing something that isn't happening in the class. Mm. They get scapegoated. Or perhaps there's an assistant that someone doesn't like, and rather than the school or teacher taking the responsibility because it's their program, this poor assistant you know, has a hard time and they're never asked back when that really wasn't the problem. So how to see beyond the literal of a classroom. And, and I'll, I'll do that in one-on-one -on -one and in group. And then I offer for practitioners of any level, whether they're in training or they're in practice, either one-on-one -on -one where we get together on Zoom or uh, WhatsApp or whatever medium, because I do work internationally. Uh, and we get together for an hour and we talk and we do what needs to happen in that time. So it's not necessarily educational as far as, well, here's what you want to do. Unless they explicitly ask that, I'm looking to understand what's getting in the way. Mm. They've walked into a room and something's happened in that room. So it's an energy exchange with a client. In psych, they might call it a, a counter-transference reaction. They, they, everybody brings their history. And so we weed that stuff out, but just about anything that someone's looking for. And I say it that way because some people mentor based on just structural integration. Mm -hmm. I want to uh, reach the whole person that's the practitioner or the teacher mm -hmm. and help them embody themselves in their work. 
And some of that involves the technical aspects, but other, other parts are the soft skills uh, is what I call them of all the other stuff that we don't have enough time really studying and being with in our trainings. Yeah, yeah. I think it's so important in those like soft skills, the way I'm, I'm hearing you explain them and what I know about my own practice is like that, that those skills are what actually resource me as a practitioner. That's right. So when I'm in those sessions, I'm not as fatigued. I don't feel as depleted. Right. My pool, my pond has remained full. Right. And, and understanding dynamics. And, and the reason I got into it, honestly, besides that class I taught was I had a client years ago and every time she would come in, I would look at the clock mm. and you know, you would think, how could five minutes take this long? And I wish this was over and I'm not, this is, why is this so slow? And I don't know what I'm doing and all these thoughts coming in. And when I started supervision, my supervisor said, you know, do you know anything about this person's history? And I said, you know, a little. And, and he said, why don't you ask them uh, a question like, has anyone ever, um, had you know wanted to get away from them or if they ever wanted to run away and that's not in the scope of my practice so it was a little tricky for me but I did ask a version of it containing to pertaining to the body and the client said oh I you know I was abandoned by my parents as a small child and so I thought okay I'm trying to get away and there's this feeling that is in her field and now I can work with it because mm -hmm. Now I know, and I don't have to just react to something that doesn't make sense. Mm -hmm. And those things show up. And back to what you said, um, I think the resourcing myself to understand the nuances makes a difference. At least for me, it does. Yeah. Yeah. You, you named in a previous part of our conversation around like education being a part of grace, right? And, I, and what I'm noticing in that question is also curiosity very much so yeah. right curiosity big like, word yeah right but like those cur those pieces of curiosity I think can really support us too and keep that pool filled um so are you do you have any current classes that you're teaching coming up that people should know about on your own or in Berlin or Brazil, anywhere fun we might want to go. <laughs> I know. Well, I was last summer doing a clinic in, in Colorado here, very small classes where four people would come and they would just receive work. It was, I would call it a self-care class mm -hmm. where they, they don't do anything except receive work from two of us, four-handed. And so I don't know if that's going to happen again because my, my partner in that, um, we have to talk and we're probably talking this weekend. And if that happens, I'll let you know. But my, my, you know, my big project is working honestly one-on-one uh, -on -one with people who are in these groups mm -hmm. and really taking um, my observational skills, which I don't think we get enough of as practitioners, how to sit with things mm -hmm. and, and view and listen and see. Um, so my big project is recruiting people to come into my groups or do individual work or even come, like I've got people coming in the summer to do work with me individually so that we can really drop in together. Uh, and with that said, there's somebody I think in Bend, Oregon, thinking about organizing a class for me to teach. And uh, 
So that will happen. I just don't know because I've been out of teaching for a while on purpose to cultivate these, uh, the support system for our profession. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of really great classes out there. So what I'm offering is not really offered. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's super unique and really important. I'm excited to hear about it. Yeah. Okay. I have a couple rapid fire questions. So I, I stole this concept from Brene Brown, who okay. we love her podcast. Yeah. It's brilliant, but she always wraps up with these rapid fire. So um, first, how do you like to play? Uh, I ride my bicycle. That's, that's my play. Riding bikes, different types of bikes with my friends and also dancing. Awesome. Yay. Uh, where did you travel most recently? Well, most recently, Telluride, Colorado, uh, two weekends ago for the Bluegrass Festival. But before that, I was uh, in Prague. And, and I highly recommend it. It's beautiful there. Well, what's your favorite genre of food? Anything Asian. Mm. Uh, favorite book of all time? Uh, I haven't read it yet, but if I were to pick one that I really go back to a lot is I love children's books. And so Jonathan Livingston Siegel. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> I heard someone call that the original um, self-help book. Yeah. It's <laughs> totally about freedom and choice and, and really um, layers of life. Yeah. Yeah. So cool. Um, favorite movie or show of all time? Uh, my octopus teacher. Oh, so good. Yes. If you could see any band right now, who would it be? Oh, Grateful Dead. Oh, gosh. Sorry. I love you. I love you. No. <laughs> Actually, the reality, though, because they're not living uh, as, as the way I used to see them. The, the other bands I would want to see is uh, my brother is a musician in San Francisco and often plays at the Country Fair in Oregon. And oh, yeah. anything my brother does and anything my husband does he's a uh, my brother plays mandolin and my husband is in and he plays b3 organ so the chance to see people I love playing music is the best mm, that's so wonderful so uh where can people find you what's your your website or your social media so, I have a few ways to find me um on instagram I'm posture talk okay and on facebook I'm Liz Silverman Stewart and then my website, which is, it's not great, but it's good enough, is lizstewartsi.com. And I do like to hear from people and I do my best to respond. And if I don't, just bug me because uh, it doesn't mean I don't want to. It just means I might've forgotten. Right, or it gets buried, I get that. Yeah. Well, thanks so much for being here, ladies and gentlemen, Liz Stewart, so awesome. We'll talk again for oh, sure. Bye-bye. Okay.